You're listening to the Moments of Clarity podcast by Six Seconds Europe. Hello, my name is Fergal O'Keefe and you're very welcome to season two of the podcast, where we will feature global experts on leadership, change and emotions, sharing their real life experiences and how they've used emotional intelligence to see the world and themselves more clearly. Every Wednesday, I will ask my guest for three moments from their life that led to a light bulb moment of clarity on how to leave their life for the better. My guest today is the consultant Katrina Knight, who is the CEO of Project Professionals by CK. Katrina specializes in project management and business analysis. She shares great insights about life as a consultant and what she has learned during the pandemic to enhance both her business and professional life. Katrina also tells us why she became interested in emotional intelligence during the lockdown and this episode will be of interest to people considering adding EQ coaching to their consultancy business. Hello Katrina, you're very welcome to the podcast. So where are you based? So I live in London um, right now. I was born in Manchester, which is usually, it, it sends everybody off. They're like, how? You sound nothing northern. Um, so I lived in Manchester for 14 years and then we as a family moved to London. So that's where I've been for the past said years. <laughs> and your business then, what is your business called? Your consultant. So, Yes, yeah, so my business is called Project Professionals by CK. Um, CK is my initials. Um, so, so, and that is is basically almost the fruit of me making a decision about ten years ago to be an independent consultant. Um, so I'd been working in banks for for a long time. I'd been I'd been in training. You know, they taught me very well. Um, I have to give it to the, the financial industry. Um, and I was training as a project manager and, and doing a lot of business analysis, um, working for the likes of you know different like Royal Bank of Scotland. Actually, um, I did a lot of work with them as a permanent member. And then I got to the point. I did some investment banking, and I just thought, you know, there's something about this this path that. I, I need to learn more quicker because of how my mind works, because of the, the things that I'm being exposed to um, and sometimes very slowly. I thought I need to ramp up the rate of exposure. Um, and so I decided I set up a limited company, obviously with the guidance of other people who were around me at the time. And I decided, yeah, this is going to be my my way of kind of accelerating um, my career and also my exposure because I feel like exposure is the thing that teaches it, it's not the trait it's not the course it's not the certifications it's not it's nothing like that I, I believe that it's how many things have you have you been exposed to how many projects have you been exposed to what type of industry knowledge do you really have if you've only worked for one company how much exposure have you had if you've only been in one role how much t- have you really seen you know, the people that I was looking up to at the time, 20 years in the game, top consultants, they'd been everywhere, all over the world, different types of roles. And that's to me, that spoke to me. So I, I said, well, guess what? You're going to have to do that, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, yeah. And you've got great experience then over the, it was your 10th year anniversary yeah. this year, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I felt like there were some things I felt quite, um, 
you know, not sad about, but more reflective over in terms of, I should have been here by now. I maybe should have had more accolades by now and all this stuff. And then I thought, well, actually, no, because you've done a really good job to be in contract. So remember, everything that I do is through contracts. It's not, nothing is permanent, nothing is guaranteed. For 10 years, I've had to fight to take a holiday as opposed to the holiday being the kind of the default thing. I'm in between contracts. I can't find another one. It's a bit slow. It was never that. So for 10 years, I've literally been in contract. Barring the times I've said, I need to go to Jamaica for three weeks because <laughs> I'm tired or I'm exhausted. Otherwise, I've been in contract. Um, something that I, I didn't realize was going to be my story. I thought maybe I was going to be exposing myself to a little bit of, I haven't really worked for three months. Oops, that was unplanned, you know, but it, that just wasn't, you know, the thing. And, and that's the thing that people decide to not set up a limited company because of, you know, that assumption that maybe they will be out of work for some time. Um, and, and that's a big risk. So they decide not to do it. But that's the thing that I've not had to, entertain I've, I've not had to experience um i'm very interested in this you're always yeah. thinking about the future as well you're always thinking i think and to, to some extent i think there's a point where you you probably have to decide how healthy that is at you know at different moments in times i think we go through phases and i think okay so there's a time where maybe i really enjoyed the selling of self you know, I'm constantly in negotiations. I'm constantly, you know, getting organizations to look my way, constantly showing them what I can bring to the table. It's a constant competitive um, market. So you're, you're constantly competing. But then after a while, you're like, I'm tired. I'm tired of this, this competitive thing. And you, you probably just want to relax a little bit. So I, I think that's where I am now in, in terms of contemplating what does relaxing into what you have look like? Um, and is there a way that you can start partnering more so that you're not so independent? <laughs> and so it isn't just about, okay, the next thing and the next gig and the next client and the next, you know, because I think it is, is mentally, you have to decide what, what balance looks like. Every five years that changes, maybe five-ish. Mm -hmm. And yeah. is that what got you into six seconds and emotional training with emotional intelligence? Yeah, I, I think this year is a big year for me in terms of the way that I've 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 been reflecting um, and 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 kind of being aware of the fact that okay, so the balance that was felt like balance maybe five years ago isn't feeling like balance now, or the balance that felt like ten, you know whatever that felt like ten years ago doesn't feel the same now. I'm feeling a bit more tired. I'm feeling less rewarded. You know, kind of the, the, the competitiveness doesn't feel quite the same. So it, it kind of led me to, to think more about the things that I used to enjoy. And, and maybe I was, I was scared to pursue. Um, so scared as in, well, from a survival perspective, how can I monetize that? 
can I monetize my study in psychology? No, not really. I don't know when that will happen. Can I monetize my my craving for just wanting to understand the brain more and understanding, you know, human behavior and going into behavioral science? No. What does that look like? You know, and I think that's where it's this this balance of this corporate view and, and kind of mentality versus you yourself how do you feel how does it feel to you is there still an incentive do you still feel like the beneficiary of what you're doing and I think I started to feel like not the beneficiary you know and I thought something has to give here you have to start doing the things that feel good to you otherwise well are you just going to remain in survival mode <laughs> and how long are you going to do that for <laughs> I know and did you do you think that uh, the COVID time got you to take a, a pause and yeah. and to because just so many people yeah so that enforced yeah. pause yeah. has given us all time to think what we really want and what's important in life really isn't it I, I got into a cab the other day probably about two weeks ago and the guy the driver said um he calls it the big reset and there's this, all this, this kind of talk around this, this, this label. I just found it quite interesting. And I thought it, it was a reset, actually. That slowing down for many of us who are, work the way that I work was um, paid for because it's an enforced slowing down. And, and then if you have the type of mind where you're constantly having to give yourself the right content to think on um, and you slow right down, you don't know what to do with yourself in the first instance, you know, so you go through a lot of overthinking, a lot of questioning, a lot of reflecting. And then I think slowly, if you, if you, I guess, do it correctly, you get to a point where you think I'm not listening to myself. I haven't been listening to myself enough because I haven't been, I haven't been moving slow enough to listen to what I really want. I've just been in the game, doing this, doing that, going for that contract, doing, you know, it's all, everything is money. But then actually that voice in you is so, it's so, you know, subtle, you know, and you have to be still enough to hear it. Exactly. So you can hear it in other forms, like, you know, you feel sad for a week. Why are you feeling sad for a week? Because the voice you should be listening to, you're not listening to it. But you keep going anyway, because that's just the flow of, you know, society and life and whatever until a pandemic strikes and you have to stand still. Exactly. You know, for me, it was, it's crazy to think that like for a whole year, because I think that the, the 18 month period that we refer to really it was 12 months of you literally catapulted into this thing. And some people are like losing their hair some people are kind of standing still confused <laughs> and other people are kind of yeah I really I really needed this but for some of us it was oh my god well like I've not really been listening to myself at all I don't think I've been listening to myself for about you know and you think oh, has it been two years has it been three how long have I been doing this for you know so you did two courses with uh, six seconds yeah. what courses did yeah. you do I'm, I'm currently doing the um assessor course so that's the so I did the practitioner emotional intelligence practitioner certification and now I'm doing the emotional intelligence assessor certification um, and then I did the, the bit at the beginning where it's kind of unlocking your your EQ um, and I see that as an intro to, to the whole thing um, so yeah so so because I within 
when we were coming out of you know lockdown and stuff I said look what is it you could give to yourself this year and I think this was one of the things you know giving to myself without knowing what the monetary <laughs> value or return might be you know just doing something because it feels good um was 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 kind of a, a gift to myself um in saying by the end of the year I want to do at least three certifications through six seconds that's funny now that I'm talking to you you know that EQPC course I did that as well and if there was ever a course yeah. to help you you know that you were saying that pause and yeah. assessing uh, where you are and where you want to be um the, the, you know that course obviously has been there way before the pandemic but is perfectly suited to it isn't it to as a yeah. structure to give you that instruments yeah. to um to figure that out isn't it yeah it's funny that we arrive at the right place at the right time yeah. because that felt like the right place right time for me so it brought me back to whilst I'm reflecting I'm I'm doing this 10-year anniversary thing and I'm reflecting on where I take my company next where I take myself next actually then I, I stumble across you know six seconds and I think oh that that might be it and actually that EQPC um, course got me to think about my values. So, you know, it was kind of a thought before then, but not in a very, the way that that course gets you to really focus on it. That was just so timely for me. Um, and you could so timely. Yeah, and you know, like they talk about noble goal during it. And, you know, you're right. Yeah. And like, I remember when I was doing it, you... Um, you know, you kind of, oh, I'll talk about, I'll think about that tomorrow. And it forces you to actually, I'm, yeah. when you write something down, you know, yeah, that's, you know, yeah. it, you know, can be, as you say, it's in, it's in your head. It comes from you, yeah. but yeah. to actually tap into it is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, why, why do you feel so displaced? Why are you questioning where you're at now career-wise, you know? And, and when I did this, I did this exercise during that course um, around your motivations you know, and, and how they're linked to your goals, your noble goals, your, your kind of sense of purpose and looking at what and how how it's framed is really important. So you can say to somebody, what are your values? And they may or may not understand what that is. You know, what are your motivations? They may or may not understand how to answer that. But if you say to somebody, what is important to you? So, so it changes the whole, like, then you're very much attuned to thinking about what those important things are there's no wool there's no confusion what's the definition of values what's the definition of my belief system you don't have to faff about doing all of that you can just focus on I know what's important to me feeling rewarded is important to me feeling as though I'm doing something more things than not that feel good is really important to me you know feeling valued being in an environment that makes me feel valued is really important so you start you know you start uncovering and then you look at your current life and you say so how much of that are you feeling right now and it's like 10 percent. you're like well this is this is why yeah. and you know you, you mentioned there about business as well earlier on a few minutes ago and that I think is so applicable now to business yeah. And to be because I think companies realized that during um, lockdown when people yeah. were working remotely. And I think, you know, I was talking to somebody who said sort of they would talk to companies about emotional intelligence, but they wouldn't use the words. They'd, they'd do it by yeah. stealth. But now yeah. I think people realize it's not a woolly thing, that it is yeah. crucial in a business. Yeah. 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 Be because you're given, 
yeah, you're being given tangible techniques. You know, that's what we all want. We all want something that's tangible because then it feels real. If you say, oh, Fergal, touch that square and you touch the square and it's just nothing. You're like, okay, so is the square really real? So it's the same thing. We all want a tangible, you know, or, or a sense of something that's tangible so that we can say, yeah, that's real. I understand it. I'm applying it. I can see the difference, you know. And I think that's what EQPC does um, to a large extent. Even if you're not looking to be a, a formal practitioner, it's still giving you the tools and the insights into techniques and case studies and things that have been done to show you how this, this thing and applying you know, emotional intelligence as, a, as an application, you know, training, self-development exactly. um, can really help you. Yeah, um, even on a personal level, like dealing with family or friends and things like that. So <laughs> Exactly. Uh, very helpful. So we haven't even gone into your, um, your three moments and I'm dying to. So I loved when I, when I read yours, I'm, I'm uh, your first one. It really, you, you know how to catch somebody's eye assembling my new piano chair. Yes. So, so as we were talking about earlier on, so I started thinking about how can I give back to myself? How can I shift um, from a feeling of, you know, I'm kind of just on autopilot, I've been doing all these things, and that's great. But, you know, I'm shifting, I, I'm feeling differently about a lot of things, how do I give back to myself. So I purchased a piano in April. And I decided that because I have a very musical background, I'd, I'd grown up very musical, I I'd played a few instruments in high school. And then every reason under the sun meant that I just hadn't bought a piano, I hadn't I, like I was really into the drums and I'd, I'd never really gone back into that because the world told me that as a girl, you know, girls don't play drums. So what are you doing? You know, piano. Is there any time for that? Really? Not really. You know, where are you going to live? People don't like noise. You know, all these reasons why. But I'm musical by default. You know, I could pick up an instrument and within a week I'd be playing trumpet. It's, it's just it's just that way. I have an ear for certain things. Did you grow up with it? Was that in your family? I, so my family, I think my dad was very musical um, in, in general. He didn't play any instruments, but he was like an MC. So, so I, I used to hear a lot. So growing up, I think even before I knew what I was hearing, I was, I was hearing a lot of that. Um, and so I just grew up with music, you know? And, and so when I got to high school, I was like, yep, yeah, I want to play trumpet. I want to play drums. I want to do piano. I want to sing in everything, you know, I do, in the choir, doing all these things. So April, imagine like 20 years later, I'm now purchasing this piano. It's ridiculous. When you put it into numbers, purchase this piano and um, beautiful. I was like, oh my God. And then I hired a tutor just to kind of make myself feel, okay, how can I encourage myself into this journey? Um, and, and so you have to get the piano chair. You can't just use any old chair. So I did for the first couple of weeks until the piano chair arrived. And so it arrived, it looks really nice. It's like a bench, like a leather bench. You can kind of adjust the height and stuff. And um, I, I, I feel like I'm, a, I'm very handy when I, I want to be. I can do minimal assembly uh, work <laughs> if I put my mind to it, you know. So this chair turned up with the legs off. And so I thought, okay, it's fine. You know, I, I can assemble some legs. It's fine, I can put the legs on. So I got my electric, you know, screwdriver out and all this business. 
and need and didn't need the electric screwdriver because it, it came with its own parts and its own kind of you know uh these things that you screw the parts on with so that's fine uh all the bolts on with and so I, so I, I i put the legs on and um i tested the chair and the legs were moving and i i, I, I listen i did this with full attention I, I i was i was sure that i'd, I'd done this correctly and um and i thought okay something is wrong and my first kind of um go-to is to blame the company that sent the item <laughs> so i said why why am i always in this why do i always have problems with deliveries you know there's always something there's the parts missing or something can i not just have a normal delivery you know so i, I that was my first go-to then i I put the chair on the, the breakfast bar where I was, I was assembling it, turned it upside down again, looked at the, the legs. Why are the legs moving? Uh, and I couldn't work it out. So I just put it down for about two or three days. And I, I kept looking at it. I look, every time I came into the lounge, I looked at it and I thought, what is what's the problem here? And I thought, I'm going to have to contact the supplier. One day I walked in, but it must have been day three, walked into the lounge and I saw that the bolts of the legs were facing outward and I thought yeah so cosmetically that can't be right so when I was putting it on it, it looked fine and I thought yeah it, you know I've, I've definitely put it on the right way and and clearly I hadn't so I got it back up, up onto the breakfast bar again that becomes my work top um and I uh, and I took, took took all the legs off and changed the position of the bolts so they then now they were facing inside Cosmetically, I was like, yeah, thumbs up, makes sense. Put it on the ground, tested it, sat on it, perfect. The legs were in place, no movement, fantastic. And I just thought, and I took a sigh and I thought, ah, oh, gosh. And I just had a thought come to me, isn't this true of life though? So if I look at my journey over the past four days, the stress that I felt, you know, I just want to play the piano on a piano chair. You know, why can't this be more, you know, a, a more smooth process? Why can't it be straightforward to really trying to figure it out, you know, analyzing to now you're sat on this chair, you've done it, you worked it out, you gave it a bit of time. And I thought, isn't it true of life that we can go through life feeling like we are the wrong part? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so, so we can go through life feeling like something is wrong with me. And I, and I just thought, look at that. The piano chair was perfect. The legs were perfect. The parts were perfect. Everything was perfect. I just assembled it wrong. So isn't that true of life that we can go through life feeling like we're the problem? You know, you, you get into a friendship or a relationship, you think, oh, I feel, you know, you're being told that you're the wrong thing. You can progress a career, you can be in business, you can be in meetings, you can be made to feel like you're the wrong part. You know, and you, you, give, you put so much pressure on yourself. Oh my God, you know, the, this isn't working. It feels so awful. Why do I feel so awful? And we internalize all of this stuff, not, not knowing that, well, actually you're, you can only ever be the right product. You can, you can only ever be the right part. So you may have to adjust your environment. How about that? Mm -hmm. 
you may have to adjust the, the romantic relationships that you pursue. You may even have to adjust the friendships that you, uh, that, that you pursue. You may even have to look at, you know, like how you're feeling about things and, and what you're going after and why, as opposed to feeling like the problem is with you. How can you being you be the wrong thing? How, how can that be the problem it can it, it should never be the problem actually right, so right. now me and my piano chair have this relationship <laughs> <laughs> and we say to each other you're the right part piano chair and it says but you're the right part Katrina <laughs> you know it's, it's weird you know but it's it's true I just thought look at that um and it, you know, that feeling stayed with me for a couple of days, really strong, just reminding me of all the, the times that I'd ever felt inadequate. And I thought, you, you've wasted so much time in spaces and, and things and people, whatever, feeling inadequate. And that was never the case. It, it, it should never be the case for anybody, actually. So look at that. You, you get this insight from such a simple thing. I know. And they're always the best, you know. It's crazy. <laughs> but being open to it, being able, yeah. you know, that's the key. Yeah. Being open to it and seeing these things and uh, yeah. looking. I would say that you're looking at things from a positive perspective, you know, like you didn't. Yeah. You could have gone. I spent four days, um, <laughs> you know, because I'm doing that. Like, the way you describe putting it together. I mean, that's yeah. pretty much I'm not a handyman. And anytime <laughs> I put something together, there's always pieces left, you know, yeah. screws left or, you know, it's yeah. on something's on backwards or I always do that. It's almost like a knowing and, and almost a confidence, actually. Yeah. yeah, this this is the right thing. But then if you apply it to yourself in the same way, you no longer look at yourself in the same way then, because then the lens is different. It's like I'm always right. I, I'm always in terms of my makeup and who I am. I'm, I'm always the right part. They just it just you know in in all shapes and you know in in all the imperfections if you want to call them that or the the nuances or the differences like I'm I'm okay like you know so your your next one um yes as I look at my phone to see it I'm just going <laughs> I, I got a shudder when I when I saw this <laughs> guilt straight away the weekly phone usage report sometimes that I'm pops up by you. accident and I go oh I don't even look at this I'm telling you, it's a nightmare for, for most of us. And I thought, so it's funny because you mentioned guilt, because I think that's what I felt a long time for, for a long time. I felt, you know, Apple every week, they send me a weekly report now and they tell me what my phone usage is. And I'd always be shocked every week. And I never really focused on the emotion. I never sat to really assess what that emotion was telling me. Um, why was I so uncomfortable? I just go off into a frenzy. I can't believe I've spent seven hours on my phone today for the whole week. What have I done with it? Like, how many hours is that? That's crazy. You know, over 40 hours doing what? What have I done with, with 40, 50 plus hours on my phone? And I'd feel really bad. And this was like a couple of months ago. And I just thought there's got to be a way of me being able to look at my phone and use my phone and feel like I'm benefiting. So it, I shouldn't be startled when I receive um, these reports. I, I, after I'd, I'd 
I, I think EQPC helped me to kind of start reflecting on my emotions in a better way. So understanding, well, what is that feeling that you're having? Is it more so linked to the fact that you feel like you're walking around saying that you don't have the time for things, but your weekly phone report is suggesting that you do. And, and I think there was a conflict there, but I didn't know that. I didn't know how, even to, how to articulate that. I didn't know that that was my real problem underneath the, the shock horror of looking at how many hours on you know, this weekly report. The issue was, is I was not feeling the value of, of those 50 plus hours, whatever it is. Sometimes it would be 11 hours a day. And I'd be like, what if you, I'm sorry, you work. So how are you picking up? And it will tell you how many pickups you've got. You picked up your phone a hundred times today. And I just feel really bad. And I thought you, you've got to stop telling yourself that you have a limited amount of time or that you don't have enough time. We go around in life saying life is so short, is it? If you live until 105, was life short? Uh, I don't think you have that feeling. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm surmising that that might be the case. So I thought, right. So there are things that you say that you don't have the time to do. Well, guess what? Those 40, 50 hours of phone screen usage time, you're going to use to your benefit. So you're going to hire a piano tutor. So that's where that was. I'm going to do this every Saturday, the same Saturday where you declare you have no time. You're going to do that every morning. You're going to hire a French tutor. You love French. You're getting into it now. You're going to do French every day. And I fought with that idea every day. You know, time. Where am I going to find the time? Yeah, take it out of the time that you're using your phone for, actually. You know, so it would give me like you've been on you've been on YouTube for 30 percent of that time, LinkedIn for maybe 40 percent of that time. The other 20 percent is, I don't know, WhatsApp you know, use 20% of your WhatsApp time to do some French, you know, so, so really looking at it and thinking you don't have a problem with time. You have a problem with your priority. And, you and that's wrote, what this. <laughs> you just, you wrote a line saying attention equals the happiness that you're looking for. So what do yeah. you mean by that? So it's what, whatever you're paying attention to is either going to make you happy or it isn't. So every single time I'd receive this report, it would remind me of the fact that I'm not very happy. And so why am I not very happy? Well, you're not using your time on the things that you really enjoy. You know, you, the things that you really enjoy doing, you're not doing. And this report is showing you that you're wasting, in essence, 40 hours a week doing nothing. What is it that you're doing on YouTube? For, I don't know 15 plus hours is that beneficial it it was mind-blowing to me to think that but I'm I'm the one that's walking around every week saying I wish the weekends were longer and I wish that I had more time but but you do but you know I, I look at that like just say I dodge that whereas you actually look at it <laughs> but I would go that again as you being positive because you're you looked at it and you turned that negative into a positive true yeah and and the positive is your third one actually which is yeah. french katrina and that yeah. is really interesting yeah i want french katrina <laughs> um so there was a time where I, I felt like maybe i wasn't intelligent enough to be bilingual you know maybe there was a time where i i felt like there were just some things that are for some people and not for others 
I'm like, yeah, so you get, we, I'm going to start challenging this um, because you're going through your career, especially, and I think society is set up in a way to praise experts. You know, we praise the people who know the answer, you know, and, and you feel rewarded and, and you see it. It's reflected everywhere. You know, people are winning awards for knowing and, and, and that's OK. But at some point they didn't know. But we don't see anything. We don't see that part. And so you have this weird gap between being a beginner and being the experts. If you're only exposed to experts and what it looks like to be an expert, then everybody's fighting to become an expert. And so you have these courses five days and you're an expert in this. You, it's it's mis-selling. You're, you're, it's not true anyway. And I think what kind of learning pursuing French has done for me is to get me really comfortable with being a beginner. Mm. So, well, I tell you before this, every time somebody corrected me in something that I'm learning, I would feel really bad. There was to be an emotion attached to it. And I thought, gosh, is this how much you've been so far away, far removed from just being empathetic towards yourself as a learner, you're learning something. So where is the understanding and the empathy and the sensitivity towards just being a beginner? You know, it wouldn't have been nice. I, this morning I yeah. was trying to do maths with my son just as he was going yeah. out the door. And I was trying to explain to him that all the answers are in the book. I can, you know, his head was just he just was blank. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm going, yeah. but that is I can understand because my head was blank at his age, too, for Matt. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah. It's it, it, so, you know, what you're saying now is sort of age and maturity gets you. You're, you have the confidence now. Yeah. So it would be yeah. lovely to, be able to tell young people. That's what I was what, what you're describing is what I was Absolutely. trying to say to my son. But I was just telling him his head was blank, which probably wasn't the one. But it's okay to be a beginner, actually. Exactly. We, and we don't we don't hear that messaging. So the good thing about language is you cannot rush it. You might even be linguistic in a way. You might have a, a benefit in you somewhere, but but you can't rush. You no matter what you do, you cannot rush it. And I think there's a part of this that that helped me to see some parallels in life. So when a baby, toddler, actually pre-toddler, uh, your son eight months old nine months old he's learning to speak you don't shout to him because he got the formation of a sentence wrong even if he strings together five words and it's not quite right there is a load of empathy there there's a load of understanding and actually encouragement this is how you say it you know he might be asking for his favorite lunch he's not quite sure how to form that sentence yet but he's saying it he's understandable just so that the level of love that you have towards your children when they're learning a language, their own language, the first language that they're going to be learning, is one of just support. And I thought, so sorry, Katrina, you're going to have to get into the motion of supporting yourself in this, because if it was anybody else, you would be really, really supportive. So why is your self-talk not that? Exactly. So it's really taught me something. It's, it's so crazy how these small things. So I'm on a streak. I'm on a streak of 141 days, everyday French. Wow. It's mad. I would have said to you, 25 days is my limit. I don't do anything past 25 days. I get tired after that. I don't really commit. It's, it's, it's crazy. And I'm 
141 days in and I'm like learning how to um, improve my self-talk. And actually, yes, emotional intelligence does help because it gets you to shine a light on, well, your emotions. So if you're feeling bad, what are you saying to yourself throughout the day? Especially when we're working, you know, some of us have been working from home for a while now. Mm -hmm. So what is your self-talk? Are you even aware of the kind of the chit chat that you're, you're doing, you know? And I, I think for me, it's just, you're a baby in this, in this language learning world. So, so be that, whatever it is you would be to an eight month old, 10 year old, be that to 10 month old, be that to yourself. Yeah. And, and it's know, so difficult. It is. I don't know. I don't understand why. Because I'm shy when it comes to um, speaking another language. And my wife, my wife's good at it. But when we're so when we're on holidays, she always yeah. goes the first night, you know, when the waiter comes over, how do you say thank you? How do you say please? And you yeah. can always see the waiters delighted that, that you yeah. want to learn their language. Yeah. But it's the confidence part is the tricky part. Yeah. Yeah. And learning how to reward yourself for small successes, actually being more grateful for the small wins. So every day I get through a lesson, every day I do my tuition, every day I read a page from this book that I'm reading. I have no, like 80% of what I'm reading, I have no idea what it is. And he's like, read it because in time, you're gonna see why I'm doing this you're going to see the benefits. And I'm like, oh my God, I just, you know, this is so difficult for me. But actually learning to be patient with myself is it's a new, it's a new world. And it shows how rigorous the environment of career and, and, and you know, the corporate world can be. There is no patience, very little patience for many things. You know, we all have to put this face on sometimes depending on the environment and you, you're trained to praise, you know, knowing. Like it, it comes back to that, you know, so where is the part where you're praising somebody progressing, where it's, it, you know, they're, they're, they may not be perfect in that thing that they're heading towards, but they're heading towards it, you know, but, but the praise is only when they've gotten there, when they've arrived, and it's, it's just the messaging is. <laughs> but, as, but as we said earlier on, I think that's where the emotional intelligence, um, it comes into work that people now are going to have to be patient or they're learning yeah. how important yeah. that is. Absolutely. I absolutely <laughs> loved, I've loved your, your three moments. They're brilliant and great stories, I have to say. And Thank the you. last one that I ask everybody is if you close your eyes and take yeah. four deep breaths and think yeah. of your happy place, where would that be and why? That's a good question, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think my happy place consists of being surrounded by people that feel there's a resonance there. So, you know, so, so, so we feel alike. Um, I, I think it's heavily to do with what I'm surrounded by. So, you know, the environment people-wise feels very light and encouraging and we talk the same language. It, that that doesn't, is not literal, but we, we speak the same language. We see each other, we understand each other. There's a, there's a level of positivity and encouragement there. Um, it's hot, if it could be a physical thing, <laughs> a, a nice place where it's warm at 8 p.m., that would be nice. <laughs> but I see myself traveling a lot. My happy place is, is made up of being global. 
And even to this day, I don't really know, I can't put my finger on the exact uh, professional career path or what it's made up of, but I know it's global. Um, and I've been on at this for a couple of years now. I know what it feels like. Um, it, it feels like I'm not in one place, but I belong to a few cities. Um, I'm known there and we know, we as a kind of collective circle or tribe or whatever, we know each other and we get each other. Um, and it's more about the flow of life and connectivity and going out and, and sharing that goodness that we're achieving with others. Um, it's accelerated now, hasn't it? To be able yeah. to be anywhere in the world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you can work, yeah. you know, digital nomads and so much more yeah. opportunities, I think, that's going to happen. And, you, uh, and this is, mm-hmm. no, go on. I was going to say, this is why the, the, the global aspect and the, the language aspect is when you're learning a new language, it forces you out of the laziness that we have when we take for granted what people are and who they are and what they might be. When somebody doesn't share your language, your first language, you have to try a bit harder to understand where are they coming from? What's their life story? What, what's their background? Who are they today? You've got to put more effort in, you know? <laughs> I thought you might mention, uh, when you mentioned there about eight o'clock and it's hot, Jamaica. Yeah. You mentioned Jamaica earlier. For yeah. some, is that your yeah. place or what is so that? That's my, yeah. So my, between my grandparents, there is Jamaica and Barbados. So wow. Those are my kind of origins and, and ancestrally, if, if you like. So I think whenever I'm in Jamaica, there is a sense of, you know, the climate is great anyway, but, but there is a sense of um, home. But I think that's more connection with family, you know, because I see home as many different places now. It's, it's very, so from Manchester to London to, to France. I love Paris. I have no idea why. I'm just, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a traveller. So I think when I'm in Jamaica, it just kind of reminds me of a bit of my upbringing and the, the closeness of family. Because I think I was taught a lot by my grandparents in particular. My parents were quite young when they had me. They were just 19. And so they, they, they had very little to impart for a while. But my grandparents kind of held the thought on, on many levels and kind of taught me a bit about togetherness and, you know, working towards a bigger goal and, you know, reaping the fruits of, of your labour. You know, they 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 bought their houses. They went back and to Jamaica and, and lived really well. And you know, worked here for for a good number of years. And you know, so I think and they were always very positive about things. Um, I never heard them talk about um, race. You know, it's it's interesting. It's just so interesting. I was exposed to much, but I never heard some things as a child. I saw more the inequalities in gender than I did in on, in terms of race, which is like, I just think it's mind blowing to look at the context of what the world now. And I think I, just, I don't know that. I don't really know that story as much as I know the, the gender inequalities that I saw growing up and stuff. So, you know, Jamaica for me is like a, it's, it's a freedom. You see people living really well and they may not have much, but they're living really well you know and and I think for me growing up looking at that I spent a couple of months in Jamaica doing school and I think that was intentional by one of my grandparents she wanted me to experience life there and um so I was removed from my parents for like a school it was like a half a school year wow. and she said you're gonna come and live with me for a few months and and I was young enough not to kind of 
see a problem with it. When I look back, I think, gosh, what detachment issues has this left me with? <laughs> but actually, it was the, the best thing that she could have offered me. Totally, because that's given you that um, idea, I would say, that you can go anywhere and fit yeah. in anywhere. And Absolutely. I think that's what that did. I think so. Because I never, you know, when it happens young enough, it's ingrained, isn't it? Like so, I, spent yeah. a, I spent a summer, you know, when you're in Ireland and you go to Irish college yeah. where you just speak Irish, but it was for, yeah. you know, well, it was actually only a month, but, um, you know, that made me go, yeah, this is great fun being away. And, and I love that idea of being away and, and appreciating and missing where you're from because you yeah. appreciate it more. Even yeah. going away for a week and then you come back and I'm yeah. surrounded by mountains and I go, wow, or how green Ireland is. Every time I fly in, yeah. I go, wow, this country is so green. But when you're here, you just want warm dry places you know <laughs> so exactly that's exactly. you know it gives you that appreciation and i'm yeah. I, you know my, my impression of um the caribbean is that the culture is very much around positive you know yeah. um attitude isn't yeah. it it's ingrained yeah. yeah yeah especially you know the the generation of my grandparents i think there is a there is a mindset that is very rich um, and I think if you get people that have overcome some of the struggles and the things that they've been through, you know, they're, they're imparting a lot of wisdom in terms of how to go through life and what not to pay attention to and, you know, how to give back to yourself and how important, you know, network is. And, you know, as I grew up here, you know, you lose that, that, that appreciation for networking community. And that's what EQPC and EQAC exactly. is kind of bringing me back to because I'm like, oh, whatever community, you know, you see all these negative things. But, but it's the truth. Actually, we're better together. Exactly. You know, and I'd like to no matter what we look like, no matter what we look like, we're better together. Exactly. And that is lovely. I want to finish that because that is a lovely idea. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure.